0: This morning, we good. Is it a little bit too hot in here? A bit sleepy? No. Chris is Chris is on to it. He's got his coffee. So this morning we're going to be following on from the Advent series that Colin started last week. Who was here for last week? Oh yeah, there's a few people. Awesome. Um, but before we get into that, um, hi. For those of you who don't know me, I am Brooke. I'm married to Carl. Uh, and together we lead the youth ministry here at Golden Sands, which is fantastic, and uh, I'm studying at Kerry Baptist College in Auckland by distance. Yes, so uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, be uh, in the summer program over um, Christmas New Year's, uh, the pastoral leadership program and uh, jumping back into study next year. So for those of you who know me, I took a bit of a break this year due to health re- reasons and um, praise God, I'm managing things really well and able to get back into it. So uh, another thing about me, if you don't know, I love animals and pets and I, it is my goal to collect them all, kind of like Pokemon. So this little guy here is our cute, oh, please appreciate the amazingness that is Joey. He's a little cavoodle. So he is a cute, he's very cute like Carl, yes. (laughs) So he is the newest member of our family. But as we begin the Advent journey and pick up from where Colin left off, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, or your Bible app, grab that. I will uh, assume that you are on your Bible app and not on Facebook. And uh, we're gonna look at this theme of peace on earth. What does it truly mean? It's really common to hear it at Christmas time, but what does peace on earth actually mean? And it's really important as 21st century believers and followers of Jesus, that we look at what that meant in the context of history. What did peace on earth in this theme mean at the time when Jesus was born? Colin reminded us last week that at that point in time, peace wasn't something that was associated with being on earth. The Jewish people, the people whom Jesus was born into, were a conquered people, they were conquered by Rome, Rome was uh, residing over them. They were ruled, they were told what to do, they paid their taxes to Rome. And the Jewish people were anticipating a political ruler to rise up, a messiah who would come and save them, deliver them from the control of the Roman Empire. They were waiting a day, When the Saviour and Messiah would come and bring peace on earth, bring bring peace to their people once more. They were waiting for this anointed one to rise up and lead and reign in perfect peace. Their greatest hope, their greatest dream for their people was freedom and peace, which we can relate to. You know, we we talk about our lives, we, we want peace in our lives. Often it's a conditional peace. Where do we find that perfect peace? So with that question in mind, let's look at Luke chapter two, verses one to three. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Corinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancee, who was pregnant. So we look at this this theme of journey. So we're we're looking towards peace on earth. How is peace on earth coming to our world? And onto the stage of empire comes this journey, this journey from the hill country of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah. And a journey which today by car would take around two hours. It's about 157 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So you think about that, It would be similar to us deciding we're gonna take a journey over to Ragland. It's about 160 kilometers over to Ragland. But you have to remember that at that time, we didn't have cars or buses or, or scooters or any sort of modern transportation. So Mary and Joseph are going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, this journey of nearly 160 kilometers, and they're walking. Walking non-stop for 32 hours, that's how long it would take to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And I don't really think that they walked non-stop, do you? No. Bear in mind that Mary is pregnant at this time. So she's not just a a little bit pregnant, she's in her third trimester. And anyone here who has been pregnant or your partner has been pregnant, I'm sure taking a 160-kilometre hike is the first thing on your mind, right, in the third trimester. She's about to pop, she's got the baby coming any time now, and they're undertaking this huge, amazing tramp, right? Um, now, if if they were walking along at, say, four, uh, four kilometres an hour is kind of how fast you usually walk, that's kind of the average walking speed, and I'm sure Mary would be waddling at maybe three kilometres an hour, so she might cover, say, we'll give them a benefit of the doubt, everyone's really fit back in the day, maybe they were walking for six hours a day, that would still take them eight days to get from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, so that's a fairly decent journey. And... uh, Let's be honest, it's probably more than an eight-day journey. They'll probably have a few snack breaks along the way, a few rest stops. Um, but honestly, when, when Mary is pregnant and about to pop, and they're waddling down to Bethlehem, so I reckon the Catholics got it right when they promoted this woman to sainthood. The Catholics had something right. Um, and you got to think about it. They're not just uh, out for a little stroll with their handbag and, you know, the little handbag dog in tow. Um, they would have had to take all their gear along as well. So as anyone here who goes tramping or hunting, goes bush, I know Dan does, Jenny does, yes, Jenny's off on a great walk. Um, you you people who go bush, you realise that you don't just take, you know, your keys and your wallet with you, you have to take all your supplies with you. You have to take your bedroll, maybe uh, a little popcorn, or uh, a bivvy. If you're like a hardcore bushman or woman, you've got to take your first aid kit. You've got to be prepared. If you're uh, not going to stink out your uh, fellow trampers, you might take a change of clothes, um, maybe change of undies. Uh, you, you'd have to take water, and Mary and Joseph would have had to take water. This is a desert, and I'm assuming they'd have to take all the snacks. Like Mary is pregnant, and I mean I get hangry enough and I'm not pregnant, so I can't imagine how hangry Mary would have been getting. So they've got all the snacks with them, they've got all the scroggin. Anyone here who's a scroggin fan? No? Scroggins like the nuts and raisins. Yes, Mary. Um, Nuts and raisins and the best scroggin is when you add in M&Ms as well. That's the best, yeah. I used to go tramping just so I could go make my own amazing scroggin. Um, so on this journey, hopefully, hopefully they had a donkey who helped them along the way with all their supplies, all their snacks. But as they're, as they're on this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, I find myself pondering this question. And it's a question that Colin asked us last week. And it's, where is God? This doesn't seem like a comfortable journey at all. It doesn't seem like the easy way to welcome the divine child into the world. So why doesn't God, who he's sending his own son to us, the saviour and messiah of the world, why doesn't he create the optimal conditions for his entrance? Why is it so full of, of, of trouble and strife and uncomfortable circumstances? Where is God in this? Because surely if peace were the goal, peace on earth, God himself would have created a much more perfect circumstance, much more peaceful conditions for his son to enter the world. So with this question in mind, let's read on in Luke and see if we can find some answers together. Luke 2, verse six to seven. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn, She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room at the hostel. So the stage is set for Christ's child's entrance into the world, yet it's not the most easy, it's not comfortable, it's not the most peaceful way that we could have thought up for Christ to enter the world. I mean... Really, if it was up to you, you and I, or at least I would have thought that wouldn't you send the Messiah to at least a cleaner, more hygienic era? Wouldn't you at least want to send him to an era where you had scientific advancement and modern technology, where you could guarantee five-star service for the baby and, and comfort? You know, you've, you've got Bethlehem Birthing Centre just up the road here, you know, that would have been a great, a great entrance into the world, it's safe, it's comfortable, it's five-star service. I hear they've got great meals there, amazing. Um, because after all, this is the most high God, the son of the most high God we're talking about. And yet, God in his divine wisdom, he sends his son to be born as a helpless, dependent, human child in a lodging much more suited to, to animals than the family's livestock, much more suited to them than to a newborn king. So in this humblest of big beginnings, the divine sends Christ, Christ the child, to earth. And in this, heaven invites humanity in. we see this journey toward peace on earth that Jesus Emmanuel, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the hope and the pride and the joy of the he- heavenly realms, he's sent to earth. He's sent to begin his earthly years in a stable. Born to a, a teenage unwed mother, welcomed into the world and laid in a feed trough. It's really not what I would imagine Christ the King, his entrance to the world to be. He's born a Jew in a conquered nation, a nation far from peace. He's born in a Roman holding of the empire on the very edges, the very margins of society, to a poor family. So the divine is incarnated as human, as humanity, and this tiny baby. And in this moment, heaven is inviting humanity in. Heaven invites a world which is already torn apart by strife, greed, the misuse of power. It's a world in which sin and brokenness runs rampant, much like we have today. And yet God with us invades, he enters our world in order to invite us into that journey toward peace on earth. It's not, it's not easy, it's not comfortable. It's the Saviour born in a stable, laid in a manger. Jesus born in the midst of chaos and grime the grime of humanity to a poor family on the margins of society. It's not what we would consider a perfect entrance for the Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us. So as we keep this concept in mind, heaven inviting humanity into this journey toward peace on earth, let's read on in Luke 8, Luke chapter 2, 8 to 9. There were sheepherders camping in the neighbourhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. Now, in this passage, scholars have contrasting views of, of the sheepherders in this passage. Now, on one hand, the sheepherders of this time, they would have been the outcasts. They would have been those on the fringes of society, those who weren't good enough to become a biblical scholar or a rabbi those who weren't uh, good enough or interested in taking on their father's business. They were poor, they were destitute. They were doing a job that no one else really wanted. It was uh, fairly grubby, they lived outdoors, they were grimy. Has anyone ever been behind a sheep truck on the highway? Yeah, because those, those fluffies like stink real bad. So they aren't like clean, put-together people. They're the ones who are despised. They probably sit sit by themselves when they come into town for water and supplies. They're lowly sheepherders. And yet, when heaven enters and announces the very arrival of peace on earth, God welcomes in these lowly sheepherders, the ones who are despised and on the margins, the ones who no one wants to sit beside. And God welcomes them in. And in this we see God welcoming in all of humanity. It's, it's no longer just a family affair of Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus. All are welcomed in, all are invited in. Angels announce to sheep herders, to a group of smelly teenage boys Shepherding these sheep at night. They probably needed a really good shower. They probably needed at least a good spray of a can of lynx. They were stinky, grimy sheep protectors. And yet, this group represents all people. It's a foretaste of what Jesus' birth is actually all about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, welcoming in all of humanity all of the world into this journey toward peace on earth. Now, the second line of thinking from scholars around these sheep herders is actually complimentary. Those scholars paint the, shepherd, the sheep herders in actually a real positive light. And if you cast your mind back to the Old Testament, the scriptures, the Psalms, we see in particular that shepherds are represented as those whom God dwells amongst. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David, King David himself was a shepherd. So in sending the angels to these sheepherders, God is once again casting our thoughts back to the ways in which he has worked in his people in the past. He spoke and acted and intervened in humanity throughout the ages, and he's reminding us that he's with us still. He's with us once more. Once more, he is inviting all of humanity into this journey. He hasn't forgotten, he hasn't given up, he's intervening and interacting with his people still. The sheep herders in Luke remind us of the lowly and the humble who God has raised up in ages past, the Moseses, the Davids, the, the shepherds after God's heart, everyday people like you and me, who God has invited into this journey toward peace on earth. It's, it's not only for the, the high and, and academic amongst us, it's not only for those closest to the Son of God, Mary and Joseph, this journey is for all of us it's for all of humanity. All of humanity are invited in to the coming reign of the Prince of Peace. So the sheep herders are understandably terrified. So as we read on, we see the angel says to them, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. So God shows up, he shows up in David's town, Bethlehem, the exact place where prophets in years gone by said that the Messiah would be born. The prophecies are coming true peace on earth is arriving and has arrived in this Christ child, it's the most unpredictable of ways. God enters our world through a journey, through a a long, dreary process, the march from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, and he enters our world through a nine-month pregnancy. In this moment that seems to be the end of the journey. The baby has now arrived. Christ child is on the scene. The awaited for and longed for Messiah is here. And yet we see this as not, not an end point, but actually the start of a new journey where the Prince of Peace is reigning on earth, and through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he invites us into that journey, into that story. He invites us into the hope of who he is. Peace on earth is a person and he is here. So at once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the choir withdrew into heaven, the sheepherders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. I reckon they've, uh, they've got one thing right. Like if the heavens open and you have the glory of God all around you, this light, this disco party, and you've got heaven, uh, he, heaven is just throwing a party and, and celebrating the birth of Jesus on earth. Like the sheepherders want to find out what's, what this is all about. So they, they go to Bethlehem and I just imagine this picture in my head. Shepherds back in the day, they didn't necessarily use dogs to corral the sheep where they needed to go. They just walked along and the sheep followed after them. So the sheep knew where the good stuff was and it was in following their master. They followed the master down to, you know, streams and had a a drink of water when it was dry and they were thirsty. They followed their master along and came to new green pastures and full of yummy sugary grass. And, uh... This reminds me of Paige and I are involved in an animal training program and we have three little sheep in the program and you literally go out into the paddock and you can't get away from them. They come running over and you wander around and they're they're following and they're fighting over who gets to be trained first and who gets the good stuff. So imagine the sheep herders heading down to Bethlehem and their sheep are all trailing behind them it would have been messy and smelly and stinky and very noisy. I'm sure Mary just got baby Jesus to sleep and all these shepherds turn out with all their sheep and oh, here we go again. And, and we also see a contrast in between the humble arrival of Jesus on earth, this humble birth of the Saviour in, in a place where animals are housed And Jesus is surrounded by all the the noises, the smells of the animals, the the cows chewing their cud, the family goats in the corner. Probably there's some probably chickens fluffing around and maybe even like a confused rooster, you know, those ones that start crowing at three in the morning. Or for us, we've got peacocks down the, the back of the property and they are very noisy So Mary's trying to get her Christ child to sleep and finally lays him in the manger. She's trying to catch her breath. The whole surrounding is just commonplace. It's simple, it's it's humble. It's really unassuming how Christ enters the world. And, And this is in contrast with heaven's celebration. Heaven is in an uproar. They're throwing a party. Heaven is exploding and with a song, in their heart, they send Jesus to earth. There's so much celebration going on that just explodes onto the night sky. The significance of this moment is huge. The angels are singing glory to God. And again, heaven is inviting humanity into that party. They're telling the sheepherders, go and find out for yourself. Go and see the Messiah, the Prince of Peace who has come to earth. He's the one who brings unconditional peace rather than the conditional peace of an emperor who, who dies and then a new emperor comes up and there's just strife and, and no, this is different. This is the divine ongoing role of Christ the Messiah, the one who brings peace. And so as, as heaven's throwing this party, this, all, this elaborate, I just imagine the lights and, and the sound and the like amazement of the shepherds And yet again, it's not not a performance. It's actually them inviting humanity in, again, to this story. Inviting humanity in to this journey toward peace on earth. Peace on earth, again, is in the form of this baby, this Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's just fascinating that even... Even the celebrations in heaven pivot toward humanity and in this invitation, this continual invitation into the story, into the journey. And this is how the shepherds respond. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. The angels had been invited in to this moment by the divine. The shepherds, they ran, they saw, they worshiped God and their response to that is to turn and to invite others in to this moment, to tell them of what has happened. The wonder and joy of that night fills them with awe to overflowing and they have to go out. They have to invite others in and tell them what they have seen and what they have heard. They're inviting others into this journey just as heaven invites humanity in. So as we get to this moment, I want us to to stop and consider. We have this journey of toward peace on earth. Got God with us, Emmanuel, entering our earth to bring peace to us. And heaven invites us into this journey. Heaven invites us in where every day normal, commonplace folk, and heaven invites us in. And for those of us who know and follow and love Jesus, this is what we've been invited into. Let's just recognize and remember and have awe over this, this moment where heaven is inviting us into the story. And yet there's also a step that we can take There's something that we can do with this knowledge and it's to turn and to look around us and invite others also into the story, invite others into this journey toward peace on earth. We're just like the sheep herders. They they heard, they saw, they recognized the Messiah and then they went and they invited others in to know him, to see him, to know what has been done here on this special night. And so we as God's people are now empowered to go out and invite others in. And I I remember um, one childhood Christmas time very clearly, and we had a group of Americans and Canadians staying with us, they didn't have anywhere else to go on Christmas time, And so my parents had invited them to spend Christmas with our family. And they had been out and about the day before Christmas Eve, and they had picked up another backpacker along the way. It was along the highway from Christchurch out to Oxford down in Canterbury. And so they'd picked up this German hitchhiker guy along the way and brought him back to our place and had a cup of tea and then found out that he also didn't have a place to be on Christmas time. And so the natural invitation was to invite him in to spend Christmas time with us. And we didn't realize at the time, but this invitation to spend Christmas time with our family profoundly impacted this young guy. He ended up spending four or five days over Christmas and Boxing Day with us, and we shared the traditions that we, we held as a Christian family in New Zealand. He was just amazed at the fact that we have a hot Christmas time. We don't have a big roast in the oven or anything. We've got pavlova and ginger beers and brandy snaps. Brandy snaps were quite the hit. And he would share stories of his German tradition of Christmas time. And he came from a secular family, and he was just amazed by the story of Christmas. But but mostly, he was impacted by the fact that we lived out the story by inviting a stranger in and providing hospitality, and kindness, and food, and lodging for a few days over Christmas time. And he's actually still Facebook friends with all of my family, and he'll uh, remember our birthdays and send us a a birthday message, and he affectionately calls me little sister, and my little brother he calls calls bro. And it just impacted, as I was thinking about this, this message this morning, and thinking about that that time so many Christmases ago, where we invited this guy into our home, into our family, and how impactful that was. And I really wanted to leave us with the challenge that as we we come to Christmas time this year, let's look around us and ask the question, who am I inviting in this Christmas? Who are you making time for? Who are you slowing down to see? Even at church, when we come in, it's, it's natural for us to look over and see our friend and go over and have a chat. But can we look around and can we see someone sitting by themselves or someone who's looking around and wanting a friendly face to talk to? Can we go over and invite them in? Because that's what we're called to. Peace on earth has come in the form of Jesus Christ. And heaven has humanity Heaven has invited humanity into this story, and we are called to go out and do the same. Christmas is a time, as we all well know, of celebrating joy and hope of Jesus' birth. Heaven coming to earth. Heavenly peace extended to earth. And I want to challenge us all today to take a step back from our shopping lists and our present wrapping from the menus we're getting ready for Christmas Day and all the functions and work do's and end of year sports breakups, all the things that capture our attention and pull our minds away from the real meaning of Christmas. It's a constant whir, it's hustle and bustle, and it's hard for us to stop and take a breath and ask ourselves a question of who... Who needs inviting in this Christmas? Who are we looking around and inviting in? Think about it, not just resources or or finances, but time. Who can you give your time to? Who can you give your support to? Is there someone you know of who's struggling? You can go and ask them for a coffee. Take half an hour out of your your day. Is Is there a new work colleague who maybe you could chat to and invite as you go off onto your morning coffee run, maybe invite them to come with you or offer to buy them a coffee. Maybe it might be a new neighbor who's out there gardening and you stop and, and give them time of day and talk to them and ask them about themselves. It could be an aunt or uncle or someone you know of that you don't really spend time with but maybe you could reach out and, and go and say hi or just just a phone call. How are we inviting our family in, our neighbours, our friends, and those acquaintances who are on the edges of our, of our social groups? Who is there who, who God's challenging and stirring you to invite in this morning? So uh, as we finish off, I'm going to invite the band to come up here and, and we'll play one more song. But I just wanted to finish with that knowledge that peace on earth has come in the form of Jesus, Emmanuel, and heaven has invited humanity into this story, into this journey, and we are called to do the same. And as they play and you just think about this question, who are you inviting in? Let that just percolate in your mind and just be open to what God is saying. Is there some way in your normal everyday routine that you can invite others in? Maybe you can look at the cashier who's scanning all your menu items at Pack and Save and just really ask them, how are you? Maybe it's walking down the street and your neighbor's walking their dog and stopping and and chatting and asking, where are you at this Christmas? How's Christmas going for you? Let's stop and think about how we can bring peace on earth to those around us through inviting them in to this amazing story, this amazing journey that we are involved in. And I know it's sometimes uncomfortable, we're hesitant to go outside of our comfort zone, but just remember the the uncomfortability of Jesus arriving on earth is messy, hot and sweaty and it was a journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, it wasn't easy, it wasn't comfortable and we're not called to a comfortable life either, we're called to invite others in from outside of our normal spheres, we're called to look and to see and to invite those ones into this amazing story of peace on earth, heaven has invited us in and so we can do the same. Let's think about that as we reflect and as the band plays one more song.